welcome to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. This podcast is devoted to helping increase your daily exposure to God's Word with a short scripture reading and brief commentary on key ideas, themes, and theology in each chapter. Now please join your host, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today is February 8th, and today we're going to look at Genesis 39. Just as a reminder, every day I read from one chapter of God's Word. And so today we're going to look at Genesis 39. And then I offer a brief explanation of key ideas, themes, and theology very briefly. My goal is to get you into God's Word for about 5 to 20 minutes every day. So let's get to our reading today from God's Word. And Genesis 39 says this, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in in house and field. And so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and fled, and got out of the house. And and as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand, and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household, and said, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. And then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. 
The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Well, this is our reading today from Genesis 39. Our study of Genesis so far has demonstrated that with Abraham and with Isaac, as well as with Jacob and his 12 sons, God began fulfilling his promise to use the woman's seed to defeat Satan, as we saw in Genesis 3.15. Up to this point, Jacob's sons have not exactly shown themselves to be paragons of righteousness, as we see in chapters 34, 37 through 38. And yet in Christ, these men, along with all true believers, make up the seed of the woman described in Romans 16.20. And so we expect to see the Lord's presence and even the Lord's favor among them as we study the rest of their lives. Now, we can see how this expectation is not without warrant in the opening verse of our chapter today in chapter 39. Jacob's favorite son betrayed and even sold is sold into slavery by his brothers in Genesis 37, 12 through 36, as now a servant in Potiphar's house in Genesis 39, 1. Now, Joseph's situation is not as bad as it seems. At first, Jacob's son is only a menial slave for Pharaoh's captain of the guard, but soon he is given even a more respectable status as an indoor servant, according to verse 2 of our chapter, before becoming Potiphar's personal attendant in verse 4 of our chapter. This is a position of even great honor. It indicates a very close personal relationship between the two men. The Hebrew root sharat used for Joseph's position is the same one used for Joshua's relationship to Moses in Exodus 24:13. Now, Joseph is so beloved and trustworthy, he's left in charge of all of Potiphar's financial matters so that the captain need only worry himself with his personal affairs in Genesis 39:6. Genesis 39.2 attributes Joseph's success to the Lord's presence with him, but we must not think he is a passive player in these events. Joseph has worked hard to achieve his position. This is made more plain in the original Hebrew text. His activity is described with similar terms as a suffering servant's achievement of his objectives in Isaiah 53.10. Joseph would not have gotten so far if the Almighty's hand was absent from his life. In fact, so great is Joseph's success that even his pagan master can see blessing in his life, as we see in Genesis 39.3. God has been so good to Joseph in his travails. John Christendom writes, Grace from on high stood by him, Joseph, and smoothed over all of his difficulties. Matthew Henry says, Good men are the blessing of the places where they live. Joseph is a good man, brought much blessing to Potiphar, not only because the Lord was with him, but also because he was faithful and he was trustworthy. By the power of the Spirit, our Father is making us good people, and one way we can judge our progression in sanctification is to see if we are bringing blessing to others. In fact, are you yourself, are you being a blessing to other people around you? Now, Potiphar's wife does not abandon her desire to seduce Joseph after first making the brazen demand for Joseph to sleep with her in verses 6 through 9 of our chapter. It says she softens her request in, in an attempt to get around Joseph's forthright refusal to be with her. Day after day, she speaks to Jacob's favorite son, begging him to lie beside her or be with her. This is a seemingly innocent request that he spend time with her without doing anything improper. And yet, Joseph is smart enough to know better, as we see in verse 10 of our chapter today. He, he knows that to put himself where he might find temptation, 
That's to play with fire. And so he wisely determines not to listen to the smooth words of this adulteress, as we see in Proverbs 7, 4 through 5. As our chapter indicates, this woman will get her way or else. No one is around one day when Joseph goes to work in the house and Potiphar's wife seizes him by his garment in her lust to have him, as we see in Genesis 39, 11 through 12. Joseph would have been wearing the typical garments of the day, a long sleeve shirt and shorts that came down to the mid-calf. For, for him to flee and leave these behind would mean Joseph engaged in a forceful struggle with the woman to escape. And since the clothes could not normally be removed so quickly, as we see in verses 12 through 13, Joseph is honorable and would rather leave a valued piece of clothing behind than to sin against the Lord. In fact, this flight from evil is a response all believers would do well to imitate, as we see in 1 Timothy 6.11. See, God promises to bless those who obey him and resist transgression, as we see in Deuteronomy 28, 1-14 and Matthew 5.10. And yet, this episode in Joseph's life reveals that the reward is not always immediate. In fact, faithfulness often brings persecution. Joseph's rapid exit would raise many questions, and so Potiphar's wife acts quickly to avoid any blame. She appeals to the basis instincts of the other servants and emphasizes Joseph's foreign heritage to cast him as an outsider and as a threat to the household, as we see in Genesis thirty-nine fourteen. In fact, she lies outright, accusing Joseph uh, of her actions by saying he left his garment in verses 15 through 18 of our chapter. This terminology implies he willingly disrobed instead of struggling to escape her. Now, Potiphar's wife shows how sinners attempt to corrupt the way others see us when they cannot entice us to follow their schemes. Matthew Henry says this, It is better to lose a good coat than a good conscience. In other words, Joseph would rather lose his possessions or even his reputation on account of Potiphar's evil wife than transgress the Lord's commandment. Now, there are times when we may have to choose between what others may think of us in doing the right thing. And even if others lie about us now, our righteousness will be rewarded in the age to come, according to Jesus in Matthew 5:11 through 12 now, the normal punishment for rape or even attempted rape in Egypt was execution. But this is not the fate Joseph received after being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife in verses 11 through 18. Indeed, Potiphar heard the words that his wife spoke to him in verse 19. And this is a Hebrew idiom, meaning that he believed there was some truth in her accusations. And yet he refused to put his favored servant to death and delivered him into prison instead in verse 20. Perhaps he knew his wife was inclined to infidelity and therefore understood things were a little more complicated than she asserted, especially since Joseph was known as a noble man. Now, whatever Potiphar's motive, Joseph was spared from death, giving us further evidence of the Lord's invisible hand in his life. And yet we should not think Joseph's life in prison was easy. Jacob's favorite son was confined to a fortress where he had been subjected to forced labor. And yet again, he was persecuted for doing the right thing and serving his master, as we see in, in Genesis 37, 12 through 28, and Genesis 39, 6 through 18. This gives us an important theological lesson that we need to learn. Unfortunately, many believers have been deceived into thinking that God never desires for his children to suffer and that to endure a hardship like sickness or even poverty, it necessarily means the victim has a weak faith. 
Well, the story of Joseph, it reminds us of unjust suffering, is often our path to the blessing God wants to shower on us, just as it was for Christ, as we see in Isaiah 53 and Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Now, in many ways, his imprisonment at the hands of his brothers, it prepared Joseph for his time in the king's prison. Earlier, he found himself in a pit with his life at risk, but God rescued him. He delivered him into a good life in Potiphar's house, according to Genesis 37. This would have given him hope that the Lord would come through for him again. Well, later verses indicate that Joseph was well aware of God's sustenance while he was in prison in Genesis 48 and Genesis 41:16. And so, like John Calvin says, Joseph leaned on the Lord in order not to be crushed by the cross he had to bear. You see, our response to suffering must be the same, for to flee under God is the only stay which can support us in our afflictions, the only armor which renders us invincible. One commentator has noted how Joseph's life proves that the righteous man falls seven times and rises again in Proverbs 24, 16. As God's holy people, we are not free from suffering and failure, but we alone have the hope the Lord will raise us up again to great blessing, both now and in the age to come. How are you suffering today? Do you face illness, failed plans, or hostility? Trust in the goodness of God, for he will most certainly raise you up in his time and in his plan. Well, we we can see the Lord moving powerfully in Joseph's imprisonment to prepare later generations of his people for his work in their day. Now, centuries after Joseph died, the nation of Israel would find themselves confined in Egypt under the harsh supervision of the Pharaoh's taskmasters in Exodus 1, 8 through 11. And it was tempting in such a circumstance to abandon all hope that God would rescue them. And yet the Lord's chosen people uh, could remember how their ancestor Joseph suffered a similar fate when Potiphar placed him in prison in Genesis 39:20. Jacob's favorite son did not remain a slave forever. Yahweh faithfully intervened and even brought Joseph out of prison to serve in Pharaoh's court according to chapter 41. This event could strengthen their hope that God would free them as well. A hope confirmed when he remembered his covenant with them after he cried out to them according to Exodus 2, 23-25. You see, only the Lord has been perfectly faithful to the terms of his covenant, his steadfast covenant, love, and loyalty to his people. This is the Lord's has said in the Hebrew. It animates his fidelity. It It is his said that God bestows upon Joseph in our passage today in Genesis 39, 21. Such faithfulness is often spoken of in the word of God. David calls upon the Almighty to be true to his said, his covenant love and loyalty, to rescue him from his enemies in Psalm 143, 12. Commentators say Yahweh's extension of his said to Joseph in Genesis 39, 21, it he prayed earnestly for the Lord to remember his covenant love while he was in prison. And as with Joseph and David, we are also privileged to beseech our father to aid us, not on the basis of our own goodness, but on the basis of his unwavering love, his said for his people, as we see in 2 Timothy 2.13. Now, divine hesed is so powerful that God can raise up friends for his people, even where they little expect to find them, as Matthew Henry says. This is precisely what happens to Joseph as we see the keeper of the prison, like Potiphar before him, is pleased with him and places him over the prison. Moreover, divine hesed has a transforming effect on the believer, making him into a consistent and even dutiful servant of the Lord and others. 
Favorite slave or lowly prisoner, Joseph performs his duties with excellence as we see in verse 6 and 23 of our chapter today. Now, when God purposes to set his said his covenant love upon us, there is nothing that can take it away, according to Romans 8, 38 through 39. How has the Lord manifested his said in your life? What problems, what dangers have you been rescued from on account of his love? Do you call upon our Father to be faithful to you, and do you repent when you do not show him said in return? Be on the lookout today for at least one evidence of God's faithfulness to you. Now, Joseph could not see it at the time, but his service in Potiphar's house was actually a good training ground for his future vocation. The authority held under Potiphar in verses 1 through 6 of our chapter today would in fact be excellent schooling for the high position of stewardship we know he will be given under Pharaoh in Genesis 41, 37 through 57. Now, Joseph's life, Matthew Henry says, proves that what God intends men for, he will be sure some way or other to qualify them for. Our Lord also prepares us spiritually as befits our calling as his holy people, as Psalm 144.1 and 2 Timothy 1.8-9 says. And this is true in Joseph's life as well, as our chapter is illustrating. You see, one way our Father equips us for ministry is by allowing temptations into our lives so that even in suffering under and resisting against them, he can establish us all the more firmly in the truth, according to 1 Peter 5, 6-11. Now, Joseph endured such a trial by fire when he was serving Potiphar. In fact, Genesis 39, 6, it tells us Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. In other words, he's a good-looking fellow. So apparently, Potiphar's wife could not contain herself around Joseph and, and had a strong desire to sleep with him, as we see in verse 7. And as David and Solomon warn us, those whom the Lord appoints as leaders are often led astray by their lusts, as we see in 2 Samuel 11 and 1 Kings 11. But, but Joseph did not fall into this trap. He loved his master and did not want to hurt him, as we see in Genesis 39, 8 through 9, proving that his beauty was not skin deep. It characterized his very soul. Ambrose of Milan says, true beauty will do harm to none, but will rather win praise for itself. And most importantly, Joseph does not want to offend God. He grounds his resistance to Potiphar's wife, not in love for Potiphar, but also in truth and his knowledge that this sin would not escape the creator's notice. And this foundation enables him to resist the the seductress' repeated advances. John Christendom writes, Even if we succeed in escaping the notice of everyone, we will not be able to escape the notice of the unsleeping eye. That is the only one you need to fear, to be concerned, and even to tremble about, so as not to commit anything unlawful under his scrutiny. Our chapter today is a good model for dealing with temptation. Matthew Henry says Joseph would not wrong his master. He would not offend his God. This is the chief argument with which he would strengthen his aversion to sin. And when tempted to sin, we should first remind ourselves that evil offends the Lord. And yet we should also consider how the act might hurt another person in order to motivate ourselves to refrain from sin and the harm it does to other people. In fact, jealousy is one of the sins most destructive to human relationships, and this certainly proved true with Joseph and his brothers, enraged that their father favored Joseph over them, and that Joseph had dreams that predicted he would supplant them. The brothers sold him to slave traders who took him to Egypt, where Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, purchased him for service, according to Genesis 37. 
Now, the life of Joseph was one of many ups and downs, and even though his sale into slavery was certainly a low point for him, things began to improve after he joined the household of Potiphar. We see this in our chapter today, that Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes and was even elevated to a high position of the household, overseeing all that his master owned. The Lord even blessed the house of Potiphar for Joseph's sake, sustaining the son of Jacob in his exile, as we see in the first six verses of our chapter today. Despite this favor, life must have been difficult for Joseph in Potiphar's service. After all, he was a young, single man far away from his home. His family had basically forsaken him, and he missed the company of at least his father, if not also his brothers, despite their malice. All of this would make even the best of us very vulnerable and even apt to compromise our integrity. And Joseph had a perfect opportunity to abandon the narrow path when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And yet, unlike the prodigal son who embraced righteous living when outside his own country, Joseph steadfastly refused the adulterous woman's charms. What kept Joseph from violating his master's trust, you might ask? Well, in the first place, we can attribute his strength to the grace of God. All of us, whether Christian or not, can say, there but for the grace of God go I. We are not as depraved as we could be, thanks to be to the Lord and his restraining hand. Second, Joseph had a deep loyalty to Potiphar that kept him from betraying his master. Most important, though, was Joseph's desire to please his covenant Lord. He knew that to sleep with Potiphar's wife would be a great sin, and he steadfastly refused to give in temptation. Well, you see, Joseph's devotion to God would lead to great suffering. The same can be true for us as well. Nevertheless, we must always remain committed to what our Creator has said is right. Now, sin can destroy relationships, lead to illness, and it can even make our lives this side of eternity miserable. For many, a deterrent to sin is fear, fear that God will zap them when they sin. Instead of law, however, the gospel provides a much better motivation. At a love for God and for neighbor, the Christian runs to God in prayer, contemplating the great sacrificial love of Christ, and empowered by his spirit, seeks to refrain from sin in order to please the Lord. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave. My name is Dave, and today is February 8th, and we've looked at Genesis 39. Until tomorrow, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Reading the Bible Daily with Dave podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to also like, subscribe, or follow Servants of Grace on Facebook, Instagram, X, or YouTube. We appreciate your support.